So, hello everybody. Welcome to the podcast, the Sutta Weekly. And as always, I am your host, Sangalpa Chakma. So, in this episode, I will talk about the Majima Nikaya 10. So, this is called the the establishing of mindfulness discourse Satipatthana Sutra. So, this is, I think, one of the more like commonly referenced sutras for mindfulness so when 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 people go about meditation i think a, a lot of the techniques that are laid out in this sutra are employed so so yes so what does the buddha talk about in this sutra well before going going into the exact words of the buddha, buddha I'm just going to go through the foreword or the preface to this sutra by by Bhikkhu Thanissaro. I will I will be sharing that link in the description of the of this episode so you can go and check it out. So Satipatthana, okay, and um, we 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 have to break down this word Satipatthana. So Sati means mind means mindfulness and Upatana means establishing. So that's why they mean establishing establishing of mindfulness. Now, a lot of people, you know, sort of think that <coughs> mindfulness or satipatthana is kind of like very like just sitting there, closing your eyes, and just kind of being one with whatever feeling or thought thought arises in your mind. That is that is not really right. What and and that is a very wrong interpretation of meditation of mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is not just being passive and just kind of seeing. This is is not really non-reactive awareness. So it's just just knowing what is arising in your mind and 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 being okay with it. You know, things arise, things go. It, it is not to just observe the mind and. <coughs> during meditation during mindfulness we have to take a, a very active approach we have to recognize our our thoughts emotions and everything and we have to really understand why are they happening you know what are the what are the preconditions giving rise to them and are they skillful or unskillful and if they are skillful it's okay we can probably continue with them if they're unskillful, then we have to abandon them. So it's a very, very active process, and it's not like just kind of, just kind of sitting there, observing your mind, and just being okay with whatever comes in your mind. You know, I mean, uh, meditation is not really like, say, watching the TV and not being able to choose, you know, <clears throat> the which which channel you want to watch. So. It's not, it isn't like that. It's more like an interactive game in which the actions you take will will frame your will, will guide your experience. So that is a, that is a point which we need to understand. And the other point here is that the Satipatthana Sutra is actually quite long. And I think in the last episode I talked for, for like 45 minutes. This this will also take some time this sutra because it's pretty long but however this this is still not long enough 
because the Buddha says, I mean, not in this sutra, but I think <coughs> in the Majjhimi 12, so he tells Sariputra, his disciple, Sariputra, if I were to say, speak of ways to, to, to gain mindfulness, to practice mindfulness, you know, I, it, it, it would never end. So even if I were to expound the mindfulness techniques for hun for hundred years, I would still not be done. So, so you can really imagine how you know how how vast this topic of mindfulness could be. So it 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 is by far not complete. And although in the sutra the Buddha does talk about, I think the more common and the <coughs> And, and I suppose the more accessible frames of reference for mindfulness, but we have to keep in mind that there are many other frames of references that, that we could we could we could be mindful of. So that's another point. And also, this this sutra, the Majjhimanekaya Ten, is is also incomplete in other ways. There, there are some terms which the Buddha use, uses, which he doesn't really explain that well in this sutra. So, to understand the Satipatthana Sutra, you know, we, we have to understand the bigger context of the other teachings of the Buddha. So, it definitely, I think, need, needs a good teacher to explain the Satipatthana Sutra. Otherwise, you know, we could misinterpret it. So, yes, so we have to keep that in mind as well. That many of the things in this Sutra seem, seem a bit incomplete because they are that the Buddha didn't explain them totally in this sutra. <coughs> and, and also Satipatthana is, is sort of thought to be only about mindfulness and for some reason Satipatthana mindfulness and and the jhanas, you know, they are kind of thought to be separate but that may not be the case. In, in, in I think in, a, in another sutra the Buddha kind of talked, the, talked of talked of them as kind of the same thing. So if we are good at being mindful, if, if we can really follow the instructions of this sutra, then we can definitely you know, attain those four jhanas. So yes, I, th I think that's a good, like, um, good context, contextual, uh, I don't know. I, th I think that that's a good preface to this sutra. And I hope that now, you know, we, we will be able to grasp the words of the Buddha much more appropriately. So, at, at the time when the Buddha gave this discourse, he was in, I mean, he, he was staying with the Kurus. The, the Kurus were, you know, the, the, the time of, the time where, when the Buddha lived, during that time, India was divided into... 16 Maha Janapadas. So, <clears throat> I mean, the Buddha was born in present in Nepal, but he he also went beyond that, and he kind of he, he kind of tra traveled to other places as well. So during this time, he was in the Maha Janapadas of the Kurus, and then there were, I think, uh, a collection, a, a gathering of monks, and he a, and he gave this discourse to them at that time. So, I mean, right away the Buddha does kind of, you know, highlight the importance of this sutra. He says, this is the direct path. 
for the purification of beings, for the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and distress, for the attainment of the right method, and for the re realization of the unbinding. In, in other words, the four establishings of mindfulness. So which four? So yeah, this is very important because just by mastering the Satipatthana Sutra, we can gain complete end to suffering. We can be totally free. We can attain nirvana. So this is how seriously we should take this, you know, the, the instructions of the Sutra. So, so what are the four establishings of mindfulness? So the Buddha says, there is the case where a monk remains focused on the body in and of itself, ardent, alert, and mindful, subduing greed and, and distress with reference to the world. He remains focused on feelings, mind, mental qualities, in and of, in and of themselves, ardent, alert, and mindful, subduing greed and distress with reference to the world. So, so this is this is another very important stanza. So there are four, you know, frames of reference we can take when establishing mindfulness. We can we can be mindful of our body, which we will see later. You know the the details. We can be mindful of our feelings, mind, and mental qualities. So these are the four, you know, <coughs> establishings of mindfulness: body, feelings, mind, and mental qualities. And 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 the other words of this stanza are also very important. So when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to Satipatthana Sutra, the practice, there are three aspects of it. So we have to be ardent, alert, and mindful. And what do they mean? So mindful means, you know, um, sati, because I said the sati, sati, it means memory. So what that means is that there is also the aspect of remembering the past, you know, in Satipatthana practice, because we, we, we have experienced a lot in life and when we have learned from those les lessons so we, we have gained some kind of wisdom so the way we dealt with uh, problems before and in the Buddhist context the way we dealt with you know <coughs> the unschooled the, the unskillful you know you know the lessons that we have learned so far to become better Buddhists to, to practice the path so we should remember those lessons so that is meant by mindful we have to remember the good lessons from the past our mistakes as well, then what, what is meant by alert, being alert? So we have to watch our minds, we have to know what we are going through. For example, when we meditate, we have to, we have to pinpoint, we have to know what we are feeling, what we are thinking, what kind of thoughts are coming into our minds, what kind of images are coming into our mind. So we have to be aware of them, that is <coughs> alert. And what is ardent? What do we mean by, by being ardent? By being ardent, we mean that, you know, so, so suppose we know that we, we have to examine what's happening in our mind after being alert. Then the next step is to just kind of, you know, examine what's happening in our mind. Is it skillful or is, is it unskillful? And what <coughs> and why why is it happening? You know, the causes leading to it and how can I make it disappear if it is an unskillful thing? So this is the very like active part of mindfulness practice, which is which, like I said, we just cannot be, we just cannot observe our mind, you know, passively. We have to take action when we have to take action. So that is what is meant by ardent. And 
And the other words of this stanza are subduing greed and distress with reference to the world. So I, I suppose what this means is that, you know, subduing greed and distress, we have to say suppose after observing, after being ardent that that, that a particular unskillful thing has arisen in the mind, then we have to, you know, we, we have to subdue it. We have to like do away with it. We have to make the effort to, to just kind of dispel it. So that's the, that, that is what is meant, I think, by these words. So the, there are the four establishings of mindfulness. First, the body. So how can we, yeah, practice mindfulness of the, <coughs> of the body? So, I mean, these, um, the Buddha, you know, explains it quite elaborately. I, can, I cannot go into that detail. If I did, that would take a lot of time. So, the, the basic point is that we have to be, you know, we, we could be, we could be aware of our bodily activities. For example, if we are sitting, then we know that we are sitting. If we are standing, then we know we are standing. If we are walking, we know that we are walking. Or if we are breathing, we have to be with our breath. Uh, if we are breathing in short or long. Okay, so we have to be, we have to be mindful. We have to, uh, <coughs> we have to channel our attention to our bodily activities. And, and there are other things, you know, like, there are two terms that I, that I didn't understand of this sutra. So, so for example, here the Buddha says, in this way he remains focused internally on the body in and of itself, or externally on the body in and of itself, or both internally and externally on the body in and of itself. So, yeah, so what does that really mean? Internally and externally of the body in and of itself. I don't know that, and I, 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 I haven't understood that. But, but I suppose, you know, uh, we have to be focused on the body, and, um, and uh, yeah, we have to keep our mindfulness in that frame of reference. And, and also, then there are two more words here, I mean, throughout the extent of this um, structure of the sutra. <coughs> and he remains independent, unsustained by not clinging to anything in the world. So, you know, the, the end point of mindfulness, meditation is not, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to be free from clinging to, to anything in the world. What, what, the, what does that mean? Mm, I suppose what that means is that, I'm not sure, this is just what I think. During meditation, a lot of us, you know, <coughs> you know there are the four jhanas, so initially we feel, we feel kind of uh, positive, calm, then we feel, then the pleasure even intensifies. Then in the fourth jhana, we just kind of observe things without, without pain or pleasure. We go beyond <coughs> pain and pleasure as well. So, you know, th throughout, this, throughout these stages, throughout meditation, we have to make sure that we don't like cling to the process itself of, you know, when we will be meditating, we will we will do some activities in our, in our, head, in our minds. We will be observing our minds. We will, we will be, you know, sort of like um, examining our minds, making efforts to dispel unskillful things. So that action itself, we cannot cling to that, you know. So this might seem like what's wrong in clinging to that. But even this kind of clinging, we, we cannot cling to it, yes. So I suppose that's what is meant. 
Yes, so um Yes, yeah, so, so I think that's about how we should be aware of the body. We have to be aware of our bodily activities, of our breath. And like I said, the, the sutra is not really complete. So whatever bodily activities you can think of, we should be aware of them. <coughs> then we can, then the second establishing of mindfulness is feelings. So we have to be aware of our feelings. And there are three kinds of feelings, you know, painful, pleasant, neither pleasant nor painful. So we have to be aware of our, of our feelings. And then we have to be aware if the feelings, they, they come from the body or from the mind. Say, say if I, you know, if, if, if the body is hurt, if, if, if there's a cut somewhere, that's going to hurt. So the cause for that pain is the body. But sometimes the painful feelings, they arise from within our own minds by thinking about something pessimistic, negative or something. So that, that, that painful feeling comes from something else. So we have to be aware of those, you know, feelings. And once again, we have to examine them and, yeah, be ardent, alert and mindful. Then the third establishing of mindfulness is the mind itself. So we have to observe our minds, <coughs> okay? We have to, you know, we have to really, I mean, the example the Buddha gives here is that, um, we have to look look at our minds as if we are looking at, at our faces in the mirror. So when we are looking at, at our faces in the mirror, we are seeing how how we are looking. You know, if if there's a spot on the face, we just kind of you know we just kind of remove it. So in the similar way, we have to be very honest and we have to look at our minds. So if you know if if there is aversion in the mind, if there is ignorance, if there's delusion, so we have to be aware of that. Or, or if the mind is constricted, scattered, you know, lazy. So we have, we, we have to observe our minds of the, of, of the nature of our minds. <clears throat> and then the four, fourth establishing of mindfulness is, are the mental qualities. So, I mean, I am not, not that like um, clear about the, like, um, about the difference between the mind and the mental qualities. But there are two different establishings. So we have to once again look, watch our minds. We have to, we have to be alert if, if any of the five hindrances are arising. And what are the five hindrances? I think these are, you know, um, sen sensuality, ill will, sloth and drowsiness, restlessness and, and anxiety, uncertainty. So if these if this five hindrances arise in our minds, we have to be... We have to watch them, and we have to once again, you know, <clears throat> examine them. I mean, be, be alert, mindful, and ardent. Then we, we we should also we should we should also watch ourselves if we are clinging to the five aggregates, five clinging aggregates: forms, feelings, perceptions, the mental fabrications, and con consciousness. And we have to. Then we could also watch our minds, like um. You know about the about the sixfold internal and external sense media. Then we we also we we also should see if we are like you know <clears throat> like um if we are inculcating the seven factors of 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 awakening. And and we also have to examine ourselves if we understand the four noble truths. 
So here again, the Buddha, you know, talks about the Four Noble Truths, what they are. I mean, I think I have covered them in the previous episodes, or I think they, if <coughs> I think I think maybe I should just do it, do another episode on them. But yeah, the Four Noble Truths. So we have to know if we understand them or not. And um, yes, so we have to do that. And yes, yeah, so this is, uh, I mean, the Buddha once again talks about the Four Noble Truths. <coughs> so I'm not going to go into that, but okay, just, um, so just um, as a, just in short, the Four, no the four Noble Truths are, the first Noble Truth is that life is, you know, suffering. Well, not, not really suffering on its own, but the way we see the world, the way we approach the world, that's why life is suffering, you know, as most of us live it. So then the Buddha describes suffering, what is suffering, birth is suffering, old age is suffering, you know, death is suffering, losing beloved people is suffering, to be associated with not what we want is suffering. So these are not, not getting what we want is suffering. And the second noble truth is that there's a reason for this suffering. And the reason is, I think, craving for uh, becoming, okay, craving for those sensuality, becoming and non-becoming. So becoming leads to suffering. So we have to know what 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 leads to becoming. So then there, then we have to talk about the causes and effects of suffering. Becoming again arises from something else, something else. So yeah, so that's a bit of a long topic, and I'm not going to talk into that. Then what is the, then the third noble truth? I think that there's a way <coughs> to get out of the suffering. It's 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 not a it's not it's not a cul-de-sac. It's a choice. So we can choose to suffer, or or we can choose to be free from suffering to 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 be to be truly happy. And and the way to do that, that's the fourth noble truth, is the noble eightfold path. So that is that constitutes right view, right resolve, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right concentration, and right mindfulness. So, yeah. So, what is right view? I mean, right view is knowing the uh, right view is knowing the four noble truths, understanding them, and also understanding what causes what causes our suffering. Knowing that our actions have a consequence, and that if we do good things, good things will happen to us. If not now or later, and if we do bad things, bad things will happen to us. If we practice the noble eightfold path, then we will gain awakening. We will be free from suffering totally. What is right resolve? Right resolve is is the resolve to be free from sensuality, ill will, and harmlessness. Then what is right speech? Right speech is not engaging in any lying or divisive speech. Speech which you know, which kind of uh, which kind of makes people hate each other. We, we should we should not engage in abusive speech, harsh speech. Then we right actions. So right actions consist of you know um, not stealing, not stealing, not not engaging in illicit sex, then um, you know not killing other living beings. Okay, so I think those are the five precepts. Then right livelihood. So right livelihood, I I, I don't know in detail about it, but. We have to be, you know, we shouldn't like engage in any livelihood. Livelihood is is the way we earn our money. So we shouldn't earn, we shouldn't earn our money in a way which which harms other people, which is unskillful. 
then we have the then there is the right <coughs> effort. So that's so the right effort is to say, I mean, to 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 kind of abandon unskillful things when they arise, uh, or to prevent unarising unskillful things from arising, and to to make the effort to arouse skillful behavior and to maintain and to maintain that. So those are the four right efforts. Then there's the right, you know, mindfulness, which is I think the Satipatthana Sutra is all about right mindfulness. Then right concentration. So these are the four jhanas. So this is the <coughs> so these are the this is the noble eightfold path. And if we follow this, then we are guaranteed of freedom from suffering, and we will we can gain we will gain nirvana, unbinding liberation in this very life. So so to conclude, the Buddha speaks. Talk, talks about the advantages or the you know benefits of practicing the Satipatthana Sutra. So the, so the Buddha says that if anyone practices the, these four establishings of mindfulness, even for a day or or week or months or years, then you know we we we, we would be doing so much good good to ourselves and others, and it is you know we will gain enlightenment, nirvana in this very life, or. In, the, in 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 one of the in one of the very next lives, so so it's very important to practice the Satipatthana Sutra. That's why. So yeah, I think that's what this sutra is about. So, and um, it's a very long sutra, but I hope I have covered everything well. Yeah. So I think the point is once again we have to be self-aware. Okay, and I mean the way. The Buddha gave the instructions here. They seem very methodical, and that 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 might feel a bit intimidating. But I think the point here is, you know, if if not follow the the Buddha's Buddha's instructions in the sutra very stepwise, but we can just kind of instill a general sense of self-awareness in our lives. So we have to really, you know, say be aware of what we are doing and. And and a lot of us we think that we we are self-aware, but that's not the case. So we are, you know, self-awareness takes, you know, is also a very active a process. We have to make effort to be self-aware. So say suppose you know life is so busy as most of us live it, work, education, and then friends and family. So it all happens so fast that we don't we don't have, we don't often have time to like reflect, to pause and reflect. So that's why it's very important, you know, when we say when we come back home from work or when we have some alone time, we we, we can meditate maybe, or if not meditate, we can, we can just kind of think to ourselves. We can probably write down what we did in the day, and we can examine ourselves, just like <coughs> we just like um, looking at looking at ourselves in the mirror. We have to examine our minds, our activities, very honestly, and then we have to, you know, we have to we have to analyze if they are skillful or unskillful if if we cause harm harm to ourselves and others how how can we become better so it's very important to be self-aware because unless we are self-aware we cannot really correct our mistakes and i still believe that you know <coughs> even the worst people criminals and the you know people who do bad actions are not really bad you know they, i mean no one does bad things knowing that they are bad things you know, everyone has some kind of agenda, or, or or some or some kind of justification, good justification for that. So all these things, you see, we we can just kind of 
they solve them if we were self-aware. <clears throat> so the more we know ourselves, the more we examine ourselves honestly, then we can, yeah, we, we can become better persons. And by becoming better individually, we can, we can contribute to society. So yes, self-awareness, it's so important, yeah. So I think that's it for this um, episode. I hope you like this episode and um, I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.